Welcome to That's So Retrograde. Yay! I'm Elizabeth Cott. And I'm Stephanie Sambari. And thanks for joining us today. Last night was a full moon in Virgo. Ow, ow! What does that mean, Steph? Well, I mean, I'm no astrologer. However, I did check out Mystic Mama. Mm-hmm. And it says, she brings illumination and heralds a sweet surrender to what is the perfection in the imperfection, a shift in perception. Interesting. So I would go check out mysticmama.com and click on the full moon in Virgo February 22nd link. And we'll provide a link to that on the blog. Yeah. And last night I did a uh, full moon sound bath Mm -hmm. with next week's guest and previous guest, Ambie Sitham. Goddess of the world. Goddess of all things. And she talked a little bit about the Virgo specifically and how Virgos have the tendency to for unnecessary worry. A little bit, they're a little bit anal retentive, not in a bad way, but sometimes you can tend to worry about the unseen. And uh, I would say that's all people as well. Right. Just but saying. isn't that just astrology? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, we yeah. can all fit into the boxes. But uh, so I think the shape, the shifting in perception, it's really interesting because she talked about how unnecessary worry might come up and to shift that by being a warrior not a worrier. Speaking of worrying, I've been feeling a little overwhelmed by all things in the news and media lately. It just, maybe it's just because I have internet access. I don't know. But it just seems like a lot. Like I couldn't even really get my thoughts together for what Roses and Thorns later in the show would be because I just like, is everything awful? Is everything good? I can't tell. I feel like this takes us back to your original and constant thorn, which is just the internet. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Very excited because on today's show, we have Ben Glebe, mm-hmm. who is a fantastic stand-up comedian, host of Game Show Network's Idiot Test, mm-hmm. and just overall political pop culture zealot, I think. Uh <laughs> To hopefully help Sometimes us. she pulls out words and I'm just like, where in the <laughs> fuck did you get that from? But I concur. I agree with you. He, he's tapped in. He's tapped in. He yeah. had a podcast for a number of years called Last Week on Earth, mm-hmm. which covered the gamut of all things. From he's the last been week. on CNN doing Oscar coverage, mm-hmm. political coverage. He's just a good friend to have with all the knowledge. And great does great political impressions. So we thought... With those powers combined, why not come on our show? All right, let's <laughs> welcome Ben Glebe, you guys. Hi, Ben. Hi. Welcome. You guys both. Welcome to you. Thank you. Both stopping Raya-ing so we can do a show. I do was the not show. Raya. I was, I, was, I, was, I was not Raya. What were you doing, Ben? Nothing. <laughs> so I want to get into quickly how we all know each other because Stephanie and you are dear friends. You and I are dear friends. Separately, and that, yeah. And it's, it was a separate, beautiful, magical thing. Mm. We met. We sat next to each other in a car ride in Utah on our way to our dear friend Sophia Bush's birthday. True. And then from that is kind of how I met Stephanie. Beautiful. And then you guys know each other how? From comedy. Raya. And Raya. And Raya. We did match on Raya. <laughs> we did. We messaged. We were on the road together and Ben was messaging me on Raya from his other room doing bits. <laughs> I love that. So, so dumb. It's kind of like great. this like kismet situation. That, we're all meant to be we're together. we're here yeah. right now, right yeah. here during this Political election year. Right. What do you have to say about it, Ben? We brought you on because we think that you know more than us. I wanted to address the riot situation first. The reason that I 
that I was messaging Stephanie. I don't I don't get any love from Stephanie in life sexually. Not that I want any. I don't want any. Right. Okay. <laughs> Come but on, I dude. Do, I don't want any. I'm not interested. But, <laughs> but I do like the idea of, of, of flirting with virtual Stephanie. Via, yeah, no, that's fine. Although, app. I do know you guys made out on New Year's. Virtual Stephanie. <laughs> Shite. It wasn't quite a makeout. It wasn't? No. I think it was. Really? I, I mean, in my head it was. I don't know if it was because... Really? Denied. <laughs> Whatever. I was also making out with Thomas Dale, so I don't need you. <laughs> okay, but I'm just saying, if you think that was a makeout, just wait for the real deal because <laughs> there was no tongue involved, so it wasn't a makeout. And we kissed for like 10 seconds. And then what happened? It was a really sweet, like 10 second kiss. Yeah. It was like a four-pronged kiss. And then what cute. happened? And then Stephanie uh, said to her brother, Stephen, I'm making out with Glebe. Is that okay? <laughs> as though it's her father. It's not. It's her brother. And he goes, I don't know if I want that because um, I don't really want my new best friend making out with my sister. And Stephanie's like, that's fair. That's fair. And then it was off. Then it was just oh. turned off. And then you were like, I'm not your fucking friend, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not your best friend, bro. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> and I was like really emotional. I was not sober. And I was like, when you go through it, I was like, Stephen, just so you know, like, I really care for your sister and I would never do anything to, to be uncool to her. And he's like, oh my God, now I feel really bad for cock blocking <laughs> Um A year prior to that, Stephen Simbari was my New Year's kiss. So it's oh, like a weird, weird, even deeper full circle thing happening How right about now. The, the deeper issue of why you two keep making out with gay dudes on New Year's <laughs> <laughs> Thomas well, Dale and Stephen Simbari, great guys. There's been some dark times here, those are, those are some great picks, though. Yeah. yeah. Two great gays. I can't believe that you le- legitimately, like, lengthily apparently made out with Thomas Dale. I got six seconds. I know. Yeah. We, we always have our virtual selves. We do. I'm always. I'm going to be real dirty with you on there tonight. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, boy. Can't wait. I'll pretend. I'll play. I feel great. like there's like it's somewhere in here there's a really good segue into talking about the election, but... I'm just going to say, now let's talk about it, sure. because there's got to be a texting scandal. Oh, Hillary. Let's talk about Hillary. Yeah. Hillary's email has been quiet as a topic lately. That's at least yeah. good for her. Bernie gave her the political gift of the season when, in one of the early debates, the early, early Democratic debates, they brought out the emails, and Bernie jumps in. He's like, this might not be politically savvy for me to say, but enough with the damn emails. <laughs> and she was like... I, f- I think she practically started blowing him right there. I mean, she was very happy. To- she literally stopped, shook his hands, and said, thank you so much for that. Well, that was dumb, right? Of, of him? No, no, no. The whole Just the whole thing. thing. Like, I feel like they're really digging for stuff. Or was there actually something there? No, I think it's a little bit of both, but I think they're mostly digging because apparently Colin Powell, who was you know, Republican um, Secretary of State, he also used a private server, and nobody makes a big deal about that. Um, but it's Hillary Clinton, they love to attack and find any way to bring her down. It's been the Republicans' M.O. forever. And so, yeah, they're digging real hard. I mean, they made her do an 11-hour Benghazi hearing, which was mostly about the emails, really. And they got her to admit really nothing. I mean, the tiny little nugget they really got out of her was that she phrased it a little bit differently to her family and friends when she emailed to them saying this was a terrorist attack and then phrased it a bit differently to the yeah. country. But that's like politics. I mean, private. That's what you do. I mean, yeah, until you know all the facts, you don't come out with exactly what something may be when it's not perfectly confirmed. So that's true. That is politics. Yeah. Private servers, like, aren't we all going on Silk Road a little sometimes? What's Silk Road? That was actually a funny joke, Ben, if you Wait, what is it. Silk what, Road was, is the thing on, on the deep web that was shut down that was where you could buy drugs and all that type of stuff. 
Oh, that guy man. went to jail. Silk Road. It's a great story. This is what I, I that's what I call it when I'm about to go down, my girls going down the Silk Road. You know what I mean? Ooh, oh. that's lovely. That's lovely? cute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Damn. <laughs> on the email thing, let me just wrap yeah. that up. Yeah. On the email thing, I think that. It looks like it's calmed down for Hillary, but of course there's also an FBI indictment hanging over her, and so any minute... Which is about what? About the emails. They're, they've indicted her. They're researching further into whether or not um, she indeed sent classified information, and it might come back and fuck her up in the rest of the campaign, but you know she obviously hopes not. Is it just because she used her private email? To send classified emails, yeah. She probably just forgot. <laughs> They're both in her mail program. It's true. She's it's really, like, it's I weird DJF. she did it. It's really weird. <laughs> she, yeah, she's DJF and Bill's DTF, so it's yeah, perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> Last week, Jeb pulled out. Mm-hmm. Hey, yo. Something that you wish Barbara and George did. Yep, thank you. For a couple of hey, babies. Yo. Well, George would be the one pulling. Um, yeah, he did. Jeb Bush dropped out. It was kind of sad, actually, because he seemed to be one of the more nice, likable, lovable of the Republican candidates. Non-reptilian. Yeah, he seemed like a good guy. He, he didn't pandered that much in his campaign. He really did. He said from the beginning that he wanted to run his primary campaign, his early campaign, as he would to win the general. Because what they do so much in politics, and it's so disgusting, is literally they'll just change their opinions from the primary when they have to only talk to their base. When they go to general, they move everything to the center. Yeah. And they change their opinions. So Jeb was at least trying to hold on to what he believed more so, and that does not work in politics anymore. Mm. Uh, at least not on the Republican side, it was not working. And um, he had to drop out. He showed it in the fourth or fifth in in South Carolina, and uh, that's no good. He didn't even come close to any wins, and that's the state that his brother won big in. That's the state that he, he had his brother come and campaign. First time he's done any political talk since he left office. Mommy came by and didn't help out. He would always mess up speaking. Every sentence he would say, there'd be some stumble in it. And Trump attacked him from day one and really killed his campaign. He, like, really crushed his campaign. And he was unable to respond. Like, in the debates, Bush was the only one, to his credit, that was attacking Trump and going after Trump as well. But Trump would just crush him. And how are you going to be a world leader when you can't handle Donald Trump in a debate? He would try to say to Donald Trump, like, can you stop being a bully in the debate? Like, he was like a young nerd being pushed on by a bully. <laughs> He's like, my mom told me to respond like this. Yeah. And then Trump would be like, oh, shut up. Just shut up. Just shut your mouth. You're low energy. You're gonna really, you have no energy. Everybody knows that you're not inspiring people. You're going to try and be a tough guy. You're going to try and be a tough guy, Jeb. And Jeb would be just like, ha, <laughs> this guy. He was trying to laugh it off, and it was not good. Oh, no. You got to sting him back hard, yeah. bro. But, like, how do you even come back? T- anything you do to combat Donald Trump is going to make you look worse than him. I disagree. None of them have the balls to do it. If you're truly sharp and have right. and aren't, don't have things you're afraid of, it would have been great if Jeb Bush responded by saying, uh, excuse me, you are a fake person, you are a reality show host, you are spray tan, you're wearing a weird thing of hair nobody <laughs> understands, you shift your opinions constantly, you used to be uh, pro-choice, now you're pro-life, you changed so many of your opinions, you're not truly a Republican at all, you're here just for the attention, so you're going to tell me I'm low energy? I'll take low energy over all that laundry list of things any day of the week. Oh, crowd goes nuts. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's Come what on. we need. But instead, he just decided to put an exclamation point in his campaign logo. Yeah, he was trying very hard to not come off as a bush. He was trying to get people to just forget that he's a bush. Literally, they're like, I'm Jeb. Like, but like, what's your last name? 
just Jeb, just call me Jeb. I'm, I'm just Jebby. Enthusiastic. Jebby Jeb. Jeb exclamation point. Come on. I'm a Jeb exclamation point, everybody. Come on. What happens to them after when they platter? They just like take your posters, go to the recycling bin, and yeah. like let's. It's sad, dude. See ya. Find a job, yo. Maybe they jump on another campaign. That'd be interesting. I mean, that's the big question. He now, could become a gonna, VP not a candidate. That's a good point. He totally could. If, he totally could. If Trump doesn't, if Trump doesn't, doesn't get, get the nomination. Totally. Well, also, the big question now is is who's going to get Jeb supporters? And a lot of people are thinking that probably Marco Rubio is going to get it. And that was, why, that was a good thing. I think Jeb really ran a very noble campaign because he could have stayed in a lot longer. He was the only one striking at Trump, but the Republican establishment kept feeling like we, they need to already, at this point, start coalescing behind one of the establishment candidates to try and defeat Trump and Cruz, who are the two anti-establishment. What do you yeah, mean by anti-establishment? So Donald Trump's anti-establishment because he's never held, held political office. And the establishment okay. basically is the candidates who espouse the most traditional views of the party. Okay. So it's not just about being in Congress. Like, obviously, Ted Cruz is a senator, so he is part of the of the political establishment, but he he doesn't hold all the views of the mainstream Republican Party. Okay, it's more extreme. Which is what would be, what would be that? He's just more extreme. He, he's an evangelical guy, yeah, and he's just much more extreme. He, he wants to. He, he he's not very much even about the separation of church and state. He's very he's. He, He's an apocalyptic guy. He speaks very, very gruffly about Syria and about ISIS. He says he's going to carpet bomb the, the whole city to kill them, and then it's like insane thinking. He's, he's just he's just a demagogue. He, he's not somebody who has nuanced political opinions. Basically, the the party just doesn't like Ted Cruz. They don't get along with him much, and so they wanted one of the more establishment candidates, which would have been strangely enough Christie, who dropped out. Definitely Jeb. And then Marco Rubio, and he's and then John Kasich too. Pretty much as an establishment candidate, he's the one I like the most of the Republicans. Um, I literally have no idea who that is. Being be, real, because guys. he's the mo- the most normal one. He's the most like solid dude. He's accomplished things as governor, and he speaks plainly. He's running a positive campaign. He's doing the, in the debates. Keeps saying, "This is nuts. What's happening here?" Yelling at each other. The most common sense guy, and of course, that's why he's not doing well. But he's doing better. He finished in third place. He's in, still in the race? He's still in the race. Who is it? John Kasich. Who won Nevada over the weekend? Nevada over the weekend, it was only took place so far for the Democrats. Oh. And That's why I Hillary didn't know. Won. Hillary right, won. Hillary but won. just barely, which was amazing, because Bernie Sanders was down by 40% in Nevada just a couple months ago and lost by like 2%. Wow. And they got a, basically the same number of delegates again. Do you really believe that he's a quote unabashed socialist? Well, he's unabashed democratic socialist, right? It's which not, is different. It's different. Yeah, yeah, it's not. He's not trying to be a straight socialist and institute a socialist government, but he is trying to bring a lot of socialist principles and programs into the country. And he is he is a redistribution of wealth guy. Basically, they always say you become more conservative as you grow up, right? And as yeah. you make money, you're like, wait a minute, do I really want higher taxes? All the taxes, on me? yeah. And you don't, of course. It's insane that already currently with state and federal tax, you give up like 50% of your income. Plus, us in this business, before that even happens, you give 10% to your agent, 10% to your manager, 5% to your lawyer. Yeah. You're making like, in the end, 25% yeah. of the money you make. Yeah. It's just in, in, unbelievably stupid. Yeah. But that said, we already have a very tangled web, and if you can't just get rid of these government programs, and a lot of pr- problems can get fixed 
by putting money into them, by infusing money into them. And so I'm not necessarily an advocate of higher taxes on individuals, unless the top 1%, for sure. Right, that's Go what F I was going to say. You can t- totally afford bigger taxes. If it's for people that are like, we're talking about billionaires, for sure. that's a different conversation. You're still in the billions, even after taxes, exactly. and you're fine. yeah. Why I think there's a middle ground that's so important to find in, in, in these things. And it really is, it's interesting to talk about politics on a, on a podcast about wellness, because... Our country's just not well mentally. Mm. I mean, we have such discord. There's no way for us, it seems, no way. And what I really try to do is, when I talk politics, is try to find that middle ground. There's, we see everything so differently. So you have to like look at the other side and try to understand their perspective and not demonize the other side. It's not, it should not be liberals versus conservatives. It should not be this like hoisted against each other, you know, two myopic sides battling each other without ever seeing them as human. That's why I hate the two-party system in general. Agreed. It should be issue by issue, finding common ground. That's the purpose, right? But so you have to understand conservative principles. They think that government, which obviously has been proven time time and time again, to be a bureaucracy that's full of red tape, that does not get things done efficiently, that wastes tons of money, that runs up debts, that has still huge unemployment problems despite all these welfare programs, huge... You know what I mean? Every program we do still doesn't solve the problems. They're like Mm band-aids. So you understand why the conservatives are against it. It makes sense. They don't want that. But the reality is that we're also in a very tangled web that we have already woven these days. So what are you going to do? You're going to just get rid of the program? Then you're going to have much worse unemployment. You're going to have much worse homelessness. You're going to have much worse health care problems. You're going to have much longer lines at the VA if you cut these programs. So once you're already in a tangled, fucked-up system, your only choices really are to solve it from now. Whenever we allow free market to run without regulation, that's what led to the government, up uh, to the economy rather, of the planet collapsing thanks to us, thanks to our speculative Wall Street investments and thanks to our, our financial instruments that literally just turned Wall Street into a casino, just turned it into a gambling, where, a gambling casino where you could bet on failure of People have to be regulated because part of humanity is greed. That's like a thing. Yeah. You can't let it just run wild. And I don't really understand, like, I feel I feel like the idea of breaking down these systems is, like, so scary. Well, that's the big thing. That's what Bernie Sanders wants to do. And he keeps talking. I know, and that He's scares like, me. We need a political revolution in this country where all of you rise up. And, and it's a great idea. And it's, he has the heart and the, the emotion and the emotional um, core of Occupy Wall Street and what that whole movement was a few years back after the banks collapsed and we bailed them out and didn't bail out people on Main Street that had their homes taken away. And I think that that's so beautiful. My question that always comes to mind with all of that is, unfortunately, the president, when it comes to making so many decisions, there's so much, many other people and processes that things have to be passed through. Yeah. So just in the election as a whole, a candidate can stand up there and propose whatever it is that they want, but the likelihood of that happening, I feel like there's always so many odds running against them, or either way. That's exactly true, and that's what Hillary's big criticism of Bernie's campaign is. Bernie gives these great speeches and debates. He's like, we must change the system. It's all wrong. We need a revolution. Hillary's like, that sounds great. You're not going to be able to get it done. Right. <laughs> You're not going to be able to get it done. <laughs> <laughs> You're laughing, She has this Hillary great laugh. She has this great, like, demonic laugh that seems like she's nervous and making shit up, and like she's smarter <laughs> than you. But it's, it's, it's a little belittling, but she makes some good points. So it's basically Hillary is a vote for status quo and incremental change towards progressive values. And 
not really ever getting the money out of politics, not really taking a big stand against Wall Street, not trying to systemically change anything. And Bernie Sanders is believing in the ideals of this, and maybe revolution, but the only way he'd be able to do it is if a mandate in these next, you know, eight months till the election became so fervent in the country, like, it'd have to be bigger than almost what Barack Obama did in 2008, get the country so pumped for systemic change. And still, he's like you said, there's so many roadblocks once you become president, you're only going to have, like, one swing to get one big thing done. Like, Obama chose to go after health care first, and he got it through and, like, burned all of his political capital when he got in office and made it very hard because it was one of the most polarizing issues possible. I think Obama really should have taken on first what Bernie's doing, taken on the partisanship and the fact of how gridlocked Washington is because that was the main impetus of his campaign was like hope and change, change the politics we have. Actually, we're not a red America or a blue America. We're the United States of America. That great speech he gave that changed everybody's opinion about politics. It's like he can change it. And he got in office and was like defeated from day one and became this like political slog as it became all about fighting about health care. And because the, the conservatives wanted to protect the health insurance company's interests because <laughs> for some reason they don't make enough money. And but don't you think Democrats every, wanted to I feel like every candidate should be doing insurance. the thing with Wall Street. Like, that's yeah. a great point. What Bernie keeps saying about, like, we bailed them out, now it's time for them to bail us out. It's like, that's right. But he's the only one that doesn't have a super PAC. Right. Well, him and Donald Trump. Right. So that's very interesting because he's the only one, he's the only one that's not benefiting directly from it. Right. Super PAC sounds like the superpowers you get. Like in a like video game, extra, <laughs> like extra Mario. Like you're, yeah, like you just made exactly. it to level three. You're it's what superheroes take when they're sick. It's like a Z pack <laughs> for superheroes. Um, but yeah, that's the craziest thing about it is that he's the only candidate who does not take super pack money. And by the way, it's very stupid in general. Whenever you can see how stupid and like juvenile our, our government is. They always add super to things. They probably want to be superheroes. They're like, let's have super PACs, which is like an extra amount of money that's so great and we can control our elections by corporations. Let's have super delegates, ones that aren't beholden to voters and can vote whatever the fuck they want and fuck the system up. They always add super like to shit. Three guys who are like huge Marvel Comics fans who are just like, we'll make it super. They're in a basement doing LARP. Totally. In the, it's ridiculous. <laughs> well, it would be very interesting, and I think it looks like there's a very decent chance, strong chance, that Trump will get the nomination. Oh, really? And. Bernie Sanders will get the nomination, pretty decent chance. And then it's going to be a very interesting, dichotomous look at our country. They're both guys that agree there's too much money in politics. And they're both the populist anger candidates that are harnessing the enormous anger that's out there in the country right now about systemic change, about people don't feel like they can get a fair shake. And it'll really be an ideological battle of capitalists versus democratic socialists, of helping those, those downtrodden versus cold, hard economic approach but just not in government, in well, I, business. I do think it's interesting that they both exist because I think that it just proves that, in general, people are sick of the sort of veneer of politics and, yeah. like, the lies and, and everyone... It's like the internet age of politics where people, like, know what's behind the curtain and so they're, like, so hungry for someone telling them what they perceive to be the truth. But the scary thing is is the people that think Donald Trump is telling... Them, or, like, that that truth is something that's, like actually viable in a political sense. It's scary, but I, I understand it, though, too. You know, yeah, some smart so people I. I know like what Trump says. Me, too. And I get it. And I like some of the things he says, too. Like, he says some great things. He's an idiot. and he, <laughs> But he, he's hitting a nerve in some very smart ways. I love that he's not politically correct. I do agree. Exactly. We have too many big problems to be talking about political correctness and not be tackling our problems as a higher priority. Yes, it's nice to be polite. 
but when the world's burning, it's more important to tackle the fucking problems and then worry about politeness later. You know what I mean? Like, like action heroes are not worrying about saying hello and thank you while they're beating up the bad guy. Maybe on the way out, they're straightening their tie and saying, goodbye, ma'am. You know what I mean? But like not <laughs> on the way in. He's one of those candidates. And I wrote, I wrote a thing for the Huffington Post, a article about exactly about this, saying that Trump may be the president that America deserves. And the whole premise of it, people misunderstood it saying I was endorsing Trump. By no means was I. I said there's a good chance if Trump gets elected, World War III will break out within months. <laughs> That's not an endorsement. Of yeah, no. But what I'm saying is that for a long time now, especially under George W. Bush for eight years, we have had a foreign policy and a, and a, and a vibe out to the world, right? Our, the, the way the world sees us as this bullies, as these guys that just play checkers instead of chess, that go out there and just like invade without thinking first, without asking questions first. We fuck shit up and then we leave and leave a country devastated. Like as I say in my act, it's like people say you're an imperialist country, but we're not imperialist. We're not trying to take over these countries. We just fuck them up for a while and then leave. It's like we're not trying to have a long-term relationship with these countries. We just fuck around and then we when hit they it and quit it. Yeah, when they become mostly dependent on us, we're like it's getting too complicated. I'm yeah. Out. If Trump, God forbid, won, <clears throat> the only saving grace of it would be that it would be finally showing the world and showing us having a president who reflects really more or more honestly how our foreign policy has been, how we've been coming off to the world. It's like, you want to be this cowboy country that shoots him up and asks questions later? I like that president then who's not even going to lie about it. Trump will mm. come in front of the country and be like, oh, of course that's what I did. I invaded them because they're a bunch of dicks. And uh, that was the move, okay? He's literally part of his campaign. He's like, torture works, fellas. Torture works, okay? I would do worse than waterboarding, you guys. It works, okay? These are bad guys. And I'm like, shit, you know? He's not sugarcoating anything. So that's the only positive of a Trump presidency. I just feel like every single candidate needs to, like, pull a Don Draper, go to Esalen, take a meditation course, and, like, come out the other side and maybe, like, shift their views from, like, a place of love. That's... Yeah, I clearly did not watch late seasons of Mad Men, but... That's okay. I will ruin the ending for everybody right. if they want me to. Yeah, I mean, I don't really think that there, like he said, there is no wellness in politics. Yeah. There's no, like, meditative And that's what state. we're here for. Everybody who wants to be president, Google that's so retrograde. <laughs> vote, vote for us. Well, that's for the us. craziest thing. It's like, years ago, I went to a fundraiser for Cory Booker. Who? Cory Booker. He was the mayor of Newark, New Jersey. Now he's a senator yeah. from New Jersey. And he's a rising star in the Democratic Party. And he took question and answers afterwards. At the end of this thing, I'm like, look, you're saying all these great things about how you want to fix the country and how you want to change politics. But it's the same thing that but then in practice, all of these people in government, they just fight each other. They're on their own polarized sides. They have blanket issues, a whole platform they have to follow, otherwise the party ostracizes them. And they just run to the respective cable networks, to O'Reilly or to Maddow, and just bitch about the other side and talk shit to the other side. And they don't actually ever really try to work together. So can you actually affect this change you're talking about? Mm. And he said a very interesting answer. He says to me, you know what? It's very true what you said. And it's a very messed up system. And really, these days, it seems like you can have a much bigger impact most of the time as an artist or an activist. Wow. And that's true. And that really is true. Getting bogged down in that system, it's very hard to make change. I think the John Stewart's of the world and the John Oliver's. John Oliver's a lot killing of, a, a it lot right of the now. Johns. Anybody who's John and political has a chance to like change the system. That's where it can come. So Bernie Sanders, yes, will get bogged down. But if he can get a uprising of just sentiment in the country mm -hmm. and it can match with some kind of Twitter 
revolution with some kind of Twitter campaign if it can match with also an uh, an arrival of a couple new media things. And one of them I'm developing myself that I'd like to bring to television soon to help find middle ground on issues. Maybe there can be a confluence of good moments that can shift a couple of major things towards wellness for the country. I feel like Bernie's already, like, so overwhelmed. Like, I, I can't imagine with the, the level of, like, stress and intensity that he's bringing to this moment in time. Like, <laughs> what's going to happen when he gets to the White House and he has to do all of these things? Like, that's why I think Obama is so dope, because he is so, like, he has such a chill demeanor, where it's like he's dealing with True. all of these insane things, but m- being able to maintain some some semblance of center for himself, at least that's how it seems. So as someone who's coming in with such a high vibe, it's like, where can you go? Where can we educate ourselves further? What are the sources that you like? Because Steph and I were like on the fringe. For me, I find if I consume too much news and political stuff, it truly makes my heart sad. So just as like a form of self-protection, I find that I have to minimize the information coming in. Sure. But I want to be more on your level in terms of understanding of what's going on sure well so firstly if i sell this tv show you can watch that can't wait what i go to for my news get an app called the yahoo news app it's pretty sick every day it just sends to your phone twice a day nine stories covering the full spectrum of news and they're really short like two paragraphs per story and it just gives you all the important facts you can click for more in depth if you want on any of them and i like the daily beast cheat sheet daily beast is a great incisive news source with a lot of opinion and commentary and every day you get emailed into your inbox just one paragraph per story. You can click on more for any one, but the paragraph summarizes pretty well what that story is. So subscribe to the Daily Beast cheat sheet email, and that's very helpful, I find. And then late night driving home, just listen to NPR when yeah when, when, when the BBC News kicks in. Right. It's nice to have a foreign perspective they on They just our are politics. laughing at us right now. They are, I mean. But in a for, civilized English accent kind of way. They have a very proper laugh. They have a very <laughs> proper <laughs> laugh. <laughs> Uh, so you're uh, you're hosting a show on Game Show Network called Idiot Test. That is true. Stephanie and I kind of are idiots sometimes. Ask us some questions. Let's, sure. Let's like give us a right. test. That's a good segue from politicians talking about idiots. It's really one and the same. Yeah. Whoever answers first is the key. You have do to we answer. buzz something or what do we do? We no, just yell just out. Say your name. Okay. And then say the answer. Okay. 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 Let's shake hands before we do this. Best of luck. Okay. Best of luck. <laughs> you're in a race. Uh huh. What place are you in when you pass the second place person? First Elizabeth place? third. Elizabeth said third and Stephanie said first. Yeah. I'm glad you guys answered at the same time because you're both wrong. <laughs> when you pass the second place person, you're the new second place. You haven't passed the first place person. All right. Next and also, right. how did Elizabeth get third place? <laughs> Is this person running backwards? What? How possibly? Nope. <laughs> Never mind. Next. Okay, great. Emu knew it. Fuck. She's not an idiot. All right. Next. You have two coins totaling 30 cents. Uh-huh. One of them is not a nickel. What two coins do you have? Wait, two coins, no nickels. That's not what I said. What'd you say? I said one of them was not a nickel. Oh, oh I thought you said there were no nickels. No. Oh, you, oh, you have, have a 25 cents and, and a, a nickel. And a nickel. Mm-hmm, right. People's, Elizabeth. The whole point is people don't listen closely. <laughs> Stephanie, 25 <laughs> cents and a nickel. I got it. I'm right, giving you both no points on that as well. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> How many of each animal do Moses bring on the ark? Zero, one, two, or three? Two. Incorrect. One. Incorrect. Stephanie, three. That was Stephanie all three times. Elizabeth, And Stephanie's zero. still wrong, and Elizabeth is correct. No, it's because why. it's Noah's Ark. Correct. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Moses wasn't there. I got right. it. You eventually got it. 
after three incorrect guesses, <laughs> the only last possible choice, you then got it right when there was no other options for it being correct. Fuck. Incorrect. Back to the politics thing really quickly. Yes. There's a lot of Twitter talk. Mm-hmm. Is there a way to survive in the word, world politically without humping the leg of social media? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, these days, politicians join every single platform. I mean, Hillary's on Snapchat. I don't think so. I don't think you'd want to because it's one of the only ways to speak directly to people. I think that's right. that's that's one of the least um, filtered ways, at least. One of the good things. I have my issues with social media, but that's one of the the least annoying ones that at least it's direct connection to the people and it's not filtered through all these spin machines. So I think you should embrace that and you should try to fight the other powers, which is, you know, unfettered corporate money in politics, get rid of Citizens United. If we can overturn that, as Bernie wants to do, that would be great. Um... Uh, we need to just get money in general out of politics. If we had fully financed public, publicly financed elections, that would be the best. My issues with social media is that people are stupid. Now you have a song that That's echoes true. this exact sentiment. That is very true. And it's called Anti-Social Media? This is true. I have a rap group with Ben Morrison, the mm-hmm. comedian, and I called Ben's. Mm-hmm. Nobody's heard this song before publicly anywhere. Uh, it's a very exciting. This is a world it's premiere. It's a TSR exclusive. Exclusive, exclusive, exclusive. Anti social media, it's mean to you. It's fleeting, huh? Away some cats unseating you. Or adorable babies beating you, and it cheapens you. Virility of the great con. Oh, now you look up from your phone? Why? The internet broke on? If you go in viral, it ain't your brains. It's all this dumb shit that I disdain. But you got all the followers to them duck ass lips. Them nut chalk clips. Them makeup tips. You're so opinionated. Every day's a trip. You ain't having it, your vlog is really killing it. Well, I'm sitting at home posting, roasting, the world was sick jokes, always that boasting, but no one else is exposing me, by clicking me views and they post up me, cause I've been putting out dope shit, mostly. Still you don't fit, in the decency to retweet my shit, and I'm over it, you favorite it, oh so nobody sees it, it can savor it, misbehavior kid, I'm your savior kid, I'm a genius shit, you be craving it, I'll see both your arms, you be waving it, but I've been holding back, I've been saving it, cause you're brain the shit, now think about it, maybe I'll just quit. Thank you for playing it. That was nice of you. Yeah, of course. That was really sweet. Of course. That was really sweet. I love sweet. you. Can I make you feel a little bit better about the political climate? Let Please. me say one thing. And, and maybe I didn't do a good job of achieving that today because there were so many things to talk about and we didn't we got to touch the surface of a lot of these things and get in depth on some things that were important to talk about. But overall the biggest thing I would tell people is don't feel overwhelmed by politics. Politics tries to overwhelm you Mm. by acting like they're smarter than everybody and by talking over your heads. But at the end of the day, it's basic people. Most of these candidates are basic bitches that literally just are trying to gain power and look through their bullshit. Just watch it and realize what they're really saying. Look at them as humans with emotions and with ulterior motives. See it as as life drama. I look at politics like a reality show. Mm -hmm. It's a reality show with consequences. It's just like the same idiots that are on the Kardashian shows and whatever, but these people have guns and bombs and armies. So it's reality show people with power. It's very interesting. Do you feel better now? (laughs) Um, Kind of. I mean, I I do really like that opinion of it because I I think you're right. Like, if you just distill, like, what they're saying almost into sound bites, you can really hear their messages, but they're trying to... Like, it's like when you go to vote and you read the ballot and you're like, What? Like, I am college-educated, and I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and it's, like, designed to confuse you. Yeah. You have to just find a way to see through that bullshit. I'm going to sell the show. I'm going to help people out with this. Great. Let's manifest that. Because I, I think like we that. could all use more Ben Glebe's political commentary in our life. Thank you. And I just want all 
is a beautiful success for you because you're so wonderful and talented. That's very sweet for you ladies as well. You're two of my favorite people. Aww. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Thank you. Where can we find you on the internet? Um, at Ben Glebe on everything. Snapchat, Twitter, and that's Instagram. E-I-B? E-I-B. And all my videos at, at slash B Glebe on YouTube. And Idiot Test is on Game Show Network. Yeah, Wednesdays. 10 and 10.30. Awesome. 9, 9.30 Central. Yes, that's a retrograde! That was a lot of politically-minded, not-so-much-mindfulness stuff right there. Well, I think that we can bring our mindfulness to the political game. Absolutely. In that we can pay attention to what's happening and how we're feeling and make smart decisions based on what's happening in front of us. And just vote, regardless. Yeah, I think we can bring our mindfulness to this next part of the show. Which is Roses and Thorns. Yeah, yeah. Roses and Thorns, yeah, yeah. Jazzy today. Recording contract. Someone called Dr. Luke. Oh, Ooh, just oh, kidding. Thorn. Thorn, right? Mage Thorn, dude. So just to catch everybody up on the free Kesha situation, essentially the courts said, sorry, you have to stay in your contract. But they also did say that Dr. Luke doesn't have to be the one handling her production. But it's still his production company. Kimosabi is his own record label under Sony, and that's what she signed with. So she has to do the record labels under that, uh, or the record recording under that's that. That's so. To my understanding, up. I will say this: I had a great um, interaction with Kesha before her album came out a number of years ago at Lollapalooza. There's a video of us inviting of her inviting me and all my friends on stage. You can see it. We'll post it. Whoa, and dude. she shared her glitter with me and she was always really nice. We like hung out a whole weekend and so like always uh, happy for her success and it's a really big bummer what's going on and I think it's just a bigger the thorn of all of this is that it seems as if the courts would put just standard contract law over the well-being of somebody, and that is really, really disheartening to yeah. see on, on a large scale. Yeah. But I will say this. To all you people out there saying boycott Sony stuff, don't do that because that's so retrograde is under the Sony umbrella. So just know that the content doesn't always necessarily mean that they agree with the powers that be. Agreed. So I just that's just a side because then you'd have to not listen to us. And we're great. Yeah. And we only have consensual sex. Yeah. For the most part. I will say my rose is I went out to lunch with our last week's guest, Jerry Hirsch. She told me that she's really into these hydration apps right now. That's and there's great. this really fun one that I just downloaded and it is called The Plant Nanny and it's a water reminder. So it's like a Tamagotchi for you drinking water. So I'm going to try it out and I'll report back. But I'm really excited about it. Fun. Yeah. I love Tamagotchi. And even right though I now, was too old when they came out. I am having the most intense deja vu. Like it is not even funny. Really? Yeah. That Rugrats t-shirt, the Tamagotchi conversation, it's all happening. <laughs> and the pink hair. And I don't even know what to do about it. But we've all been here before. Hi. Hello. What about you, Rose? I guess I'm back on Raya. Which is a dating app. I don't know if they have it in every city. I think it might just be major cities. No, I've weirdly been linked with people in like Zurich and But that's still a major, a major city. City. I think it's a major city. It's definitely not like in the Midwest besides Chicago. Yeah, my old my first boss in Los Angeles, who which was actually three floors above from where we sit right now, he started that app. Really? Shout out to Mike McGinnis. Okay, so my STEM. Yeah. I'm just like kind of feeling really heavy from this whole political conversation, but I want to turn it around. And in light of the Virgo full moon, 
I'm just going to say I'm going to be a warrior, not a worrier okay. when it comes to this political landscape. I think that's wise. I don't let it overwhelm you, Elizabeth. Take a beat, listen to everything, meditate on it, and just yeah. feel your feels on it. I mean, you're never going to be able to have full control or full understanding of what's going on. Right. So, so just let baby it flow. Steps, yeah. Cool. Well, this has been That's So Retrograde. Yes, it has. And we're going to flow on right out of here. We are no longer in a retrograde and we are feeling good. Feeling good. You can find us at that's so retrograde.com mm-hmm. and at so retrograde. Instagram, Twitter. All the places. And Stephanie on Snapchat at Steph Zimbari. And Elizabeth has made her Snapchat public, y'all, at Elizabeth Cott. Yay. And, uh, you so you know. can see our bits. Yeah, they're we great. We got bits, you guys. Bits for days. <laughs> um, this is so lovely. Thank you to everyone for joining us. And uh, namaste listening. That's our new catchphrase. What do you think? <laughs> Let us know. Yes, that's a retrograde.